Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. You know, the, the pregnancy was unplanned. It was an unplanned pregnancy. You've got this young teenage mom visited in the middle of the night by an angel and told that she's going to carry this child. Can you imagine how scared she was? It's an unplanned pregnancy. And then there's Joseph, Mary's betrothed. This is an unplanned pregnancy for him. This was not a part of the blueprint he'd drawn out. He's not ready for this kid. He's not ready. And Mary's not ready either. And yet somehow Mary manages to say these words. In my mind, some of the most significant words in Scripture, she manages to say this. I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you've said. Think about how hard that must have been to say. I mean, think about just the situations in your life where you're confronted with some reality that seems daunting, that seems like a calling from God. How hard is it to say, I'm your servant. Let it be with me according to your word. That's a hard thing to say. But for Joseph and Mary, it is really, really hard. It's not just that this pregnancy is unplanned. It's also what we might call a crisis pregnancy, a high-risk pregnancy. Not because of Mary's physical well-being, but their, their social, their economic well-being. Well, there's some challenges there. Not only are Mary and Joseph young and at this point not yet married, they're also poor. They're very poor. Not only are they poor, but Jesus is going to be born into a world in the middle of a dangerous social crisis. I think about all the kids who've been born over the last nine or 10 months during this pandemic and just the danger of the world that they're being born into. The world that Jesus is born into is much more dangerous. At the time he's born and in the years that follow, King Herod sends his troops out looking for this child. And they go through the ancient world killing every boy under the age of two. Think about that last sentence I just said. Killing every boy under the age of two. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine? The only thing that saves Mary and Joseph and Jesus is God. God sends Joseph this message in the night. Do you remember this? This is Matthew 2, verse 13. An angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for this child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night, during the night, took the child and his mother to Egypt. And he stayed there until Herod died. We've shown this picture before, but I always um, find and pull up this picture around Christmas time. I like to sit with this picture in my office and pray over it during the Christmas season. Uh, this this picture is called Rest on the Flight into Egypt. It's by Luc Olivier and Merson. It's from the late 1800s. It's a picture of Mary and Joseph and Jesus on this escape into Egypt. 
you have these two just worn out parents in this picture. You've got Joseph, he's, he's fallen asleep. His head is rested on stone there. He's asleep by this small fire. You've got Mary in the arms of a sphinx. Remember, they've fled into Egypt and Jesus is in her arms. She's asleep with her baby in her arms, which any nurse or medical professional would tell you, don't do that, Mary. And we have all done it, haven't we? Think about how tired they are. I always, I always pull up this picture. You might leave it up for just another minute. I always pull up this picture because I'm struck by, you know, Jesus is described as the light of the world that comes into the darkness. And Mersona is capturing that in this photo because there is this glow about Jesus. But it is the darkness that captures my attention in the photo or in the, in the picture. Because the darkness is overwhelming, this picture. And it, and it reminds us of just how hard and difficult this moment is for Mary and Joseph. There are no grandparents in this picture. There's no support system around Mary and Joseph. There's no church family with casseroles knocking on the door, right? There's none of that in this picture. There is only darkness all around. I'm reminded of what John says of Jesus, that the light came to his own people and his own people did not welcome him. That's what that scene reminds me of. This is a vulnerable child. He is unexpected and unplanned by Mary and Joseph, and he is ultimately unwelcome by so many others. He's poor, he's homeless, he's on the run, he's in danger. This is a vulnerable child. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about the fact that the good news of Jesus Christ begins with two beleaguered parents? who did something unplanned, who did the hardest thing they could have ever imagined. And they defended this one vulnerable child. That's how the good news of Jesus starts. And it was a really hard thing to do. You know, we don't always make the the connection as clearly as I'm trying to make it right now. Maybe I'm not making it clearly enough yet. But we don't always make the connection between the vulnerability of Jesus as a child and the Christmas story as clearly as the gospel accounts actually try to make it for us. And I think in this, this, this scene that we're seeing unfold in this way before us, we are reminded of where this impulse comes from, this impulse that we've already described, that we've already seen, that takes place among the Highland families here, and really among God's people stretched far and wide, this impulse to care for kids. What we see is that it is as old as the Christmas story, and really it's a lot older. In fact, I think I think, that, I think that many of us are motivated deeply over concern about the issue of abortion, largely because of this impulse that we find here. We know this calling to take care of children. We know it comes from someplace. And even in our concern and maybe advocacy on the topic of abortion, even in that moment, we sense there's more to it. It's not just about getting kids born. It's about that life that they're destined for, that life that Mary and Joseph defend, advocate for, and work hard to conceive of. Uh, Reed Stafford, our preaching apprentice who preached last week, did an awesome job. Thanks, Reed, for doing that. Reed 
started with this story about climbing a mountain. You remember this story? He told this story about climbing a mountain, he got to the top, his contacts were blurry, he couldn't see. And it reminded me of a, a, a couple stories in my own mind of climbing mountains. In fact, he, he told that story in the context of a, a youth initiative called Wilderness Trek, where they take kids up to climb mountains. Well, I did Wilderness Trek a couple times when I was in high school. And one of the, the, the mottos or the mantras of Wilderness Trek was, if we don't all make it, we're not going to the top. I love that idea that we are climbing some kind of mountain together as a community and we're, we're pushing each other higher and higher up this mountain. Sometimes you carry the load of somebody else, but really we're all climbing the same mountain and we're doing that together. And I love that idea. And so here I am, I'm thinking about the Shelby's story this week. I'm thinking about the now seven families here this morning who walked in, who've been touched by adoption, foster care. I'm thinking about this story of Jesus, this Christmas story that begins with this unplanned child and these parents who advocate and defend for this one unplanned child. And all these things are coming together in my mind. And it's clarifying for me, what, what does the mountain look like that the Highland Church is climbing together? What's this mountain made out of? All right. Let me, let me give you an idea of what I think this mountain is shaped out of. At the bottom, at the base of this mountain, would be this core fundamental gospel truth, and that is that God is the author of all life. God's the author of all life. We see that in John chapter 1, verse 3. Through him, all things were made. Think about every ministry, mission, every initiative of this church is based on the commitment that every person is made by God, that God is the author of all life. Okay, and then it gets a little more specific as we climb a little bit higher on that mountain. Built on top of that foundation of this mountain is this other truth, and that is that God conceives of the life of every person before his mother and his father or her mother and father conceive of that life. Okay. We read this in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So not only is God the author of all that has ever been made, the author of all life, but God is especially attentive to his people, that he's forming those people in his mind and his spirit, his plans for the destiny of each one of those persons before they even take shape in their mother's womb. Okay, that's one step up higher on this mountain. But then we go a little bit higher and we find this, that children are a blessing from God. So maybe the third truth on this mountain that we're climbing. We read this in Psalm 127.3, no doubt about it, children are a gift from the Lord. You remember a couple weeks ago when Brescia and I stood up here side by side and we took your prayer requests digitally while we, while we did our worship service and we just prayed over those one by one? There was one that stopped me in my tracks. There, was, there were several that touched me deeply, but Brescia, do you remember this, the one that we got about from a mom, from, from a woman who wanted to be a mom. Remember that? She confessed to this whole church that she and her husband were struggling with infertility. She brought something that was so personal to this church because she longed so badly to be a mom. Why? Okay, it's this impulse. It's this truth. Children are a blessing from God, and she knows it. We've got a brother here at this church, Tim Flat. Many of you know and love Tim Flat. Tim's been in a battle with cancer for some time, and frankly, he could use your prayers right now. 
You know, I've had separate conversations with both of Tim's sons, David and Kevin, in recent days. And in separate conversations, both of them unprompted called their dad their hero. You know, you don't get to be your son or your daughter's hero unless you believe that they are first a blessing from God. Right? Okay. And that's this third truth that this mountain is built on, that children are a blessing from God. And yet, not every child, like David and Kevin, are born into homes where they've got a hero, where they're seen as a blessing. And so as you climb up a little bit higher on this mountain, this, this particularity, this priority of God's begins to take shape a little bit more clearly as we climb a little bit higher on the mountain. And that's not just that God cares for every child, which he does because he forms them in their mother's womb. He begins forming them even before they're in their mother's womb. It's not only that God cares for every person and every child, but that God places a priority on vulnerable children. What do we know about God? We know this, in you, God. The orphan finds compassion. The orphan finds compassion. So as you climb up higher and higher on this mountain, we begin to see more clearly, not only maybe what you and I are being called to, but what God cares most about. God cares deeply about kids that are in trouble. Okay. So then I look at our church, and I think about our significant, significant investment, over half a million dollars this year that we're going to invest largely in seeing that kids have full life in Christ. I think about all those families here at this church that are involved in adoption and foster care, either personally or tangentially related. I think about all those things. And I see God ahead of us on this mountain. And here we are at this really high point on this mountain, and it's clear to us that near the top of this mountain, God cares deeply for vulnerable kids. But it's like God is just a few more miles down the ridgeline, and we see him from a distance, and he's calling us, and he's saying, I want y'all to come a little bit farther. I mean, think about what I've made you as a church. Think about all the ways I've equipped you. Think about the incredible children and youth ministry programs that you have here at this church. Think about the compassion that you so clearly have for kids who are in trouble. I mean, this is woven into your DNA, Highland. And we hear God saying that to all that. And it's like God's just calling us. He's saying, come a little bit farther. Okay, the top is just a little bit farther. This is what we read in James, true devotion. The kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows and their difficulties. We'll come back for, to widows another time. To care for orphans and widows and their difficulties and to keep this world from contaminating you. You think that's the place that God's calling us to? Because that's a hard place to get to. I mean, just ask the Shelbys. <laughs> You heard their story that nothing about that story was easy. Um, there's another family here at Highland. They were considering bringing a foster child into their home not too long ago. And um, they were just really wrestling with it because, oh, they felt this burden on their heart for this child. And yet they knew it was going to be really hard. Like that's what kept coming up in their conversations is that this is going to be so hard. Unrelated to that conversation they were having, that discernment they were doing, they went to a, a Veterans Day program at their kid's school one day during the middle of all this thinking and discerning. And this old kind of crusty, salty veteran got up and spoke. And you know what the, the message of his talk was to all those kids? 
Sometimes you got to do the hard thing. Those two parents knew he was talking to them. He didn't know it, but they did. Think about Mary and Joseph for a second. You know, think about all they did to protect Jesus before he was born. Uh, We know that Mary spends time with safe family members. She goes to visit Elizabeth. We know that Mary prays over this child that's being formed inside her. We think she probably watched what she ate. If she had prenatal vitamins, she probably would have used them. You know, they traveled to Bethlehem as carefully as they could. They found the safest possible place for this child to be born to. And all of that was hard. But you know when it got really hard was when he was born. And then they had to travel all the way to Egypt to keep this kid from being killed. They had to protect him as he grew up in a world that was hostile. As they grew up poor, trying to provide for him. That's when it got really hard. Mark begins his good news of Jesus the Christ by pointing out that he is king. And really all four gospel accounts or good news accounts begin with that truth that Jesus is king. But what I love about Matthew and Luke's versions is that they slide in there just next to the fact that Jesus is king is that all of this good news, the greatest news the world has ever heard was made possible by two parents who did what they never expected to do. And that is to defend a vulnerable kid. One that they had not planned for. One that was unexpected. That shouldn't surprise us. You know, laced throughout Scripture is God's desire that we care for orphans. I mean, we're told as clearly as anything that we should defend the orphan. And so it would make sense that the greatest news ever begins with that, with that truth. Somebody from Highland is texting me right now. <laughs> Forgot to silence my <laughs> iPad here, so... I'm preaching. You might save those texts for later. Um, Here's what I've been thinking about. Our church was, um, years ago, considering where God might be calling us on the mission front. And we began to think about where in the world were unreached people that God might be calling us to reach. And we began to pray about that. Our elders and leaders began to pray about that. And what we realized was, yes, God is calling every church to be involved in reaching unreached people for his kingdom and his glory. But who is God calling us to reach? We began to think more contextually. How has God already wired us? And what we realized was here at Highland, we had this thriving Chinese ministry. Some of our Chinese members came to us and asked us to consider sending missionaries back to where they are from. We began to see other signs leading us in that direction, calls and contacts from friends in China, calling us to be involved in that work. And it was all that led together for us to to send missionaries just a few years ago to China, okay? So the calling on every church is the same. The calling is to care for God's people, especially for children. But what I want you to see is that here locally at Highland, God has already wired and designed us and equipped us to care especially well for vulnerable kids. You know, is that what God's calling this church to? Is God calling us to come a little bit farther as a church? calling us to care for kids. I got an email from a a young family here. I'll I'll end with this story, and then I want to challenge you with something really simple. I got an email from a family here a few weeks ago, a young couple. They said, uh, we're we're thinking about foster care. 
and uh, we don't really know where to start. Is there anybody at church who can help us? And I said, yeah, there's a ton of people at this church that can help you with that. In fact, we've got this ministry that's led by some, some fierce women and advocates for young kids. And so I just replied to her and I copied all those women on this email. And I said, ladies, can you just take care of this? And in, in like 30 minutes, my inbox, because they were using reply all, was flooded in responses from these women. In fact, a few of those women eventually just said, can we just call you and take care of this? And so I just talked to that uh, young woman this morning who her, she and her husband were starting that journey and had emailed us. And I said, what's the status on that? And just before I get up and talk to the church, she said, we're having our home study this week, this week or next week. And it's because of the help and support and the, really the pushing of this church. I want you to go back to that image of of climbing the mountain together. And here's what I want to remind you of. A church is not a stagnant thing. We're not just a group that comes together once a week and then goes our separate ways. We, we are something that is moving together. Okay. We're a community, a family that's called from where we are, sometimes into unsafe and dangerous places that we weren't expecting to have to go, okay? like Mary and Joseph. But we're going there together. We're pushing each other up this mountain together. And with each step we take, it gets harder. And I'm not saying that every family here is called to foster care and adoption, but I believe, I believe that God is calling us in that direction. That he's put all the pieces in place here at this church for us to head in that direction, to reach that high place together. But I'm telling you, if we're going to get there together, it's going to take all of us. And so what I'm asking you to do, I'm not asking you to become a foster parent tomorrow. I'm not asking you to go adopt a child tomorrow. What I'm asking you to do is in this Christmas season, this season in which we are reminded of the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, that you would pray very specifically about what God is calling us to as a church. I want you to reflect on the story of Jesus Christ and this one vulnerable child and the parents who defended him. And I want you to pray and ask God, God, is that what you are calling this church to? You know, among the many things we're learning during this pandemic, one of the worst things we're learning is that foster care, more kids are coming into the system and domestic violence is increasing. Would you do me a favor? Would you this Christmas just pray about that? Would you pray for the kids we don't know yet who are out there struggling and suffering, who are out there unprotected and vulnerable? And would you pray that maybe those kids will find a home here? I mean, can you imagine a better place for a kid to grow up than here? Rubbing shoulders with giants of faith like Tim Flatt. Can you imagine a better place for them to be than here? Would you just pray about that? And if God answers that prayer for us, if one more family, if 10 more families, 20 families begin to open their homes, it will not just be because they felt compelled. It'll be because they know you're supporting them. 
you're praying for them. And that together as a church, we're moving to a, to a higher place.